0: Hi, I'm Miranda and I'm Stephanie. We've been friends for more than 15 years. I live in Ottawa and I live in Winnipeg. I'm raising two girls and I'm raising two boys. We're both wives and working moms who do our best to make it all work and to enjoy our empowered lives. We think feminism is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics and we love to learn especially from other women. So we started Women Don't Do That to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. Nadia Banton is an entrepreneurship advisor, management consultant, and HR professional. She has worked across industries such as publishing, healthcare, insurance, education, manufacturing, and is now in the innovation space. Known for her energy and drive, she helped build Waterloo Region's first Women Entrepreneurs Bootcamp. As a woman of color and mother, Nadia is an advocate for diversity in the workplace. She's pleased to sit on the board of advisors for the Waterloo Region Small Business Center and the board of directors for the National Clay and Glass Gallery. Nadia holds a Master's of Technology Management, and she's a sought-after interviewee and speaker, including traveling to the Caribbean to speak on behalf of the World Bank. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you. I wanted to dive in by asking you, what motivates you to live your best life? (sighs) So
1: it's interesting. Um, So I've I've, I've been thinking about this, but I think when you have... um, So I've always... I've always lived with gratitude first, right? Like I, mm. so that's always how I lead my life. And unfortunately in my lifetime, I've had people and loved ones pass away that have not been able to do that,
0: right? Mm. And
1: so as I go about my daily life I always kind of keep that in mind and be I'm very mindful that other people didn't have the opportunities that I still have so very mindful about you know being able to live my life my best life Mm -hmm. every day right so no matter what it is I'm just always trying to do that so I go outside you get you know smell the fresh air take advantage of the little things that you have COVID has obviously changed that Mm -hmm. but I've always been really mindful of just on a regular basis like all my life just kind of living my best life
0: I love that. And and it, it to me, it seems like with COVID, you almost have to appreciate some some of those basics of life in a different way. It certainly changes perspective as well. Absolutely. So you have a few different roles in your professional career. Uh, one of the things that you do is you're the director of operations for IntelliFlex Innovation Alliance. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about what they do?
1: Yeah, so Intellifex is a um, membership-based organization that focuses Mm -hmm. on flexible hybrid electronics. Uh, So really what we are is the, uh, as the title says, the industry alliance for people in that specific space. So it's like a niche space. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately what we're really just trying to do is, you know, connect people within the network so that they can um, connect with each other. Uh, and kind of like, you know, have projects that they work on, get to, you know, CEO CEO to CEO can meet and connect faster, you know, kind of speed up commercialization. So it it really is um, a really great networking organization per se, but but the niche of it is that it's in this particular flexible hybrid electronics. So we look at everything from kind of like start to finish. So like right across the supply chain of it.
0: Okay. Um, For that kind of electronics, what kind of uses do do they get used for
1: uh so a uh, marion so um I, I think probably one of the easiest things for people to get their mind around probably um like as i'm you know not an engineer elect- electrician myself kind of thing um if you look at like if you think about like smart textiles smart fabrics there's literally um material mm-hmm. there's literally electric electronics that are like embedded into thread so they can, you know, read what's happening with, you know, with the body. So the temperature, heat, conductive inks. Like when you think about fabric, when you think about what clothing or what you're wearing, that, that can easily be flexible hybrid electronics, but at the same token, it could be, um, you know, computers, semiconductors, looking at, you know, all facets you, you, we use, you know, electronics in our phones
0: every mm-hmm. day but you just don't really think about it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, so true. I was, um, for a while, I did some work with OCAD University and they were doing mm-hmm. a lot with um, electronics in clothing and, it, and it's so fascinating when you end up looking at some of the engineering or the technology uh, in different things and just what is possible or where things are going in the future. It's quite fascinating. So I'm right. sure it's, it's an interesting space probably to be a part of, especially if you're working with all kinds of different companies. Absolutely. So some people might not really know what a director of operations does. What, what are some of the things that you would do in that role? Uh, so I think when you look at director
1: of operations uh, as a whole, I think you're really looking at like process and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you're looking at it from a strategy standpoint and you're also looking at it from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. So when you think about just kind of running an organization, from that standpoint, just to shore up some efficiencies, you know, you, right now in COVID time, you don't want to be spending money unnecessarily, right? Like there's mm-hmm. uh, COVID has really impacted a lot of um, organizations being able to go out and, you know, facilitate, have a conversations, do networking events, throw, you know, industry um, conferences like we typically would. So those are kind of the things that I'm doing. Um, I'm also looking at it, too, from a customer perspective experience standpoint so ultimately when you're a membership-based organization you want to bring in new members right and so Mm. you also then look at it um, as a whole with being able to have a great customer experience so you know we're building it along as we go Um, the company the organization is growing moving forward I think people are becoming a little bit more familiar with the space that were not in the space before myself included so um, yeah I think that's kind of like what I do in a nutshell, but I, I think when you're just looking at operations in and of itself, that's really what you do. The the biggest, my biggest role, unfortunately, which was impacted was um, throwing our annual conference, okay. right? It was supposed to happen in June. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, we're only now getting back to having 10 people, we were looking to have 200 plus. Right. Um, so that would have been a great networking event for our organization. Unfortunately, <laughs> go with this, put it as a
0: Yes, I know. It's so interesting. It's kind of like, this is how things were before. This is how they are now. And we don't really know yet what things can or will look like in the future, at least certainly for the, for the short term. So it's certainly a challenging, but also an interesting time. And it seems to be, there's a lot of innovation happening in many different industries as well. And, you know, even in healthcare, seeing a lot more technology that, you know, it's, it's forcing people along On a path where they were either afraid to go or weren't ready to go yet, that they that they've had to go there. So it's been very interesting.
1: Absolutely. So, like, I mean, some of our companies, especially when uh, people were looking for PPE, like the protective equipment, and they were looking for masks. uh, Again, going back to the whole smart textiles, some of our companies work in that space. They automatically started making masks, right, to be able to support and take care of our community, right? Like those things those things are phenomenal. Like, are they getting returned financially from it? Maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to speak for them, but right. just the fact that they're impacting our community and being able to keep your neighbor safe, mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. You can't, you can't ask for more than that.
0: Yeah. I used to work with them, um, the university presidents doing advocacy. And I just, I know that our, our research in Canada is so so smart and has accomplished so much with different vaccines and all kinds of things that, um, it's interesting when COVID hit, I just had this real, like, we're going to be okay because, you know, whether it's us or someone else, I know the capacity is there to actually find a vaccine. And, uh, I I might not have felt so comfortable maybe in certain situations around COVID had I not have worked with them and just, you know, seen and and heard the stories and, and know the strengths that are there. Yeah, that's awesome. You also have your own management company. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so I um, I have this love for entrepreneurship. Um, I think if we were to talk about my passion, that's probably what it would be. So really what it is, is just being able to kind of help in that space. but. Um, if, if you look at my resume, uh, I always say that I'm like a jack of all trades because yes. I've worked in like, um, so I'm, do- I'm a director of operations right now. My background is in human resources. I have a master of technology management. I'm kind of like all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've always wanted to be a generalist, right? Mm-hmm. So I have the experience to be able to go in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. So when you work with an entrepreneur, and you work in the startup space, and I have experience there from working at Communitech, you can use a lot of those generalist skills in these different areas but again because i have experience in human resources i also i can easily take contracts in that space i can take contracts in the operations space so yeah i just i i'm lucky i get to work on projects that i want to work on
0: yeah that's amazing i i used to be like a government relations consultant and similarly like your ex my expertise is in government relations knowing how government works who are the players you know, how does it function? But at the end of the day, I would work with lots of different clients. So, you know, you might know a little bit about national parks or midwifery or um, a natural resource company. And I mean, you don't become an expert, but you know, quite a bit at least. And I found that work pretty interesting and fascinating. Um, Everybody's different, but if you like kind of constant change and just learning, doing consulting work uh, is very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I love it for that reason, because you get to, like, I love learning, and so you get the opportunity to be able to learn about yes. a different everybody's different business, right? So you kind of have to go in, get an assessment, get an understanding of what's going on. But but it was the same thing that was happening to me when I was at Communitech. I was a startup advisor. I had, like, 200-plus clients. You know, people were talking to me about, again, like, electronic engineering, like, you know, neuro— um, all all these different things that I, like in my life, I never thought of that I would have ever had any experience in. But when they're looking to build a business or, you know, asking questions because you have experience in government relations, in human resources, in operations, you can lend that expertise to someone and help them grow their business. So I just ran
0: with it. I love that. I was going to comment on, and you commented on it already that you've had a really interesting career packed path. And even, even from um, your intro there that you've worked across many different sectors. Can you talk us a little bit through uh, for somebody who might be interested in the type of work you do, but don't know a lot about it, like how your education and then some of the different work that you've done to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, um, from the get-go coming out of like university first job i wanted to work in human resources Mm -hmm. and again i think some people enter into human resources and like my girlfriend she entered and she she's great at numbers she wanted to do compensation you know she's executive level compensation right now that wasn't me i wanted to be able to do a little bit of everything i wanted to kind of learn so really i did and you understand it more from an HR perspective because people use the word generalist. Mm -hmm. I got to do a smattering of different things. Right. But then you got, I got to a point where um, I had learned a lot of different things. So you either kind of stay in that space and you become like that HR business partner. And then you're, you're working with one organization all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started to say, okay, well, I wanted to do something different. So then being able to move into different um, areas you know, working throughout, um, get, having the, the knowledge of being able to work in different industries in, in different roles, you start to build, build up that acumen, like you're saying, right? You, mm-hmm. Like the government relations you, in, you know, midwifery where you wouldn't have done that from before. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then when I took the job in the startup space, I'm like, this all makes sense. Like it naturally all makes sense because I do have exactly what you're saying. I have a little bit of information about this that can lend itself to something that will help someone else. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that person so I think when people might look at my my LinkedIn, maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense to people, but it, it does make sense to me, right? And, right. I, and like, I actually have had a trajectory of what I was doing. So then to, to add, to top it off, working in that startup space, I knew that I wanted to stay in that technology and innovation space. Right. That's where I went after doing my master's of technology management, because I think ultimately, like I said to you in the very beginning, my passion is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And so I ultimately always end up wanting to help that startup, that underrepresented, like someone that's like early stage, starting in their, their, their career, or like those early inceptions with people having a business idea, wanting to run with it. That's mm-hmm. what naturally works well with me. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's a good fit and I like, and so mm-hmm getting the master's program, doing the master's and having that, that, um, that business acumen mm-hmm. to go back to what it is that I was doing and, you know, compound it was just awesome. Right. Because mm-hmm. again, you, I was doing the master's and so many things made sense, right? Like right. I can actually now say that I have expertise in this area to lend itself to the area that I want to help.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I have to say from my career working with different people, I've worked with quite a few people like yourself that have worked in very different spaces. And I actually know somebody who does a similar job to you now. And it is, they make amazing managers because they can understand so many different parts of what a company or an organization takes to run versus somebody who always kind of worked in, in their box. And they're also just so flexible. They're quick to learn and they just know a little bit about everything. And, you know, they're often the people that I find colleagues going, wow, that person is so smart. They're a star. They're so adaptable. Um, Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's very interesting when you kind of break down what, what it actually means in the pro- professional perspective.
1: Yeah, like it, 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 you know, taking the master's program at Laurier, um, their their end goal was to have you leave the program for you to be able to be a general manager, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel confident having been it exposed to it in my career and through the program to be able to say that I know a little bit about everything. Do I want to become an accountant? No. But do I understand what's happening? Absolutely. Right. Again, operations. I didn't do operations before. My background was always in HR. Right. right. I learned it. I understand it. I know how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if you come with that lens and, and, and you have to have appreciation of like lifelong learning, like
0: wanting to continue to learn to do different things. Yes. It worked for me. I wanted to ask you, I think it'll be interesting given your career path, if you, what what was some of the best career advice that you feel like you received that was given to you?
1: Uh, Yeah, one of, um, people ask me this all the time, and I always go back to like one of my first managers, phenomenal. Um, She set me up for success early, Mm -hmm. right away. And so she said to me, you know, you're coming right out of school, you're working. And she said to me, don't come to her with questions come to her with solutions. Mm -hmm. And so depending on your mindset, if you look at it, I could have been like really adversarial and be like, wait a minute, like she should be helping me. Right. But what she in fact did was empower me to come back and think the idea through, bring her a different, a few different options. And then she would kind of guide me through it. Right. And so this is, so I, that's why I always say that I like working with, um, young, uh, young people that are just entering the workforce, because if they don't think of it from that, perspective they're going to be defensive right? right and then you don't you can't grow your career and you can't grow as a person if you're not willing to kind of take some sort of feedback and I, you're yes. going to be nervous right you're going to be defensive when someone says something to you and it's kind of not what you want especially you've been working on it for so long right. but that really just helped me throughout my career just understand something so and that's probably why i became this like lifelong learner and like researcher for me before i went to go figure out to answer a question i'd out how to do it right mm-hmm. so i become i i learn a little bit more about it so then when someone asks me questions i could answer it yeah right and yeah. so it, it, it's kind of like that um i would say f- like far that was the best advice i've ever been given the other thing i would say to people that um probably don't really pay attention to these things just because it's it's not it's it's now starting to come it's show its head again but really you want to find a mentor Mm -hmm. Right. Someone that you can, you can talk to, you can have these conversations with someone that's, you know, that you trust, maybe don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the exact career path, but just someone that you you maybe even like with, we talk about it when we're talking with startups, they want to see a startup that's, you know, like 12 to 18 months ahead of them, that tangible that they can grasp to see what they can aspire to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you know in my lens of always wanting to work in not always but like you know wanting to champion that underrepresented group
0: yes when you
1: see people like yourself that look like you act like you are in the same sort of area that you can aspire to be that yeah. really has an effect right and you i think if you can get that through mentorship
0: mm-hmm. like
1: you're on your way to career success
0: yeah it's so true because people have such different stories and you don't know you know their backgrounds and all kinds of things and I work in a government town in Ottawa and a lot of people, there's lots of women, there's all kinds of people in the workforce, but I grew up in a rural community and, um, you know, didn't know any politicians or people that worked in government relations or even what that was. Right. Or, or even um, there were some obviously, but, but there tended to be a lot more stay at home moms even. So I remember like when I had my children like who is in your circle, like you might think, oh, you know, certain percentage of women are in the workforce. So, you know, young women can find lots of mentors, but uh, it takes a while to, till you grow those networks. And um, certainly there were times I felt lost, but was able to find um, mentors. But uh, yeah, like you, depending on your worldview or where you grew up or all kinds of things, uh, it can look very different than someone else's.
1: Right, and and I think
0: if you um,
1: have that mentor uh, again, whether they have the same sort of similarities to you or something that you want to get from them, you also have yeah. to be mindful of their expertise and their time. Right. Yeah. So again, similar to you know you know my first uh, you know one of my first managers saying you know kind of come to me with the answers before like really don't ask questions it's the same sort of idea like the people that you're looking to they're probably going to be at executive level don't really have a lot of time mm-hmm. you know go be really you know succinct and informed if you can google it and figure it out like I tell yeah. people that all the time if you can google it and figure it out don't ask somebody that's right? good advice figure yeah. it out for yourself. so that's what I should tell people yeah. figure it out for yourself or at least because then the people that you're working with know that you've made the effort Mm -hmm. right and so then they they will feel that the the information that they're giving that giving you is valuable but if you're not adhering to the advice that they're going to give you you're just wasting someone's time right Mm -hmm. and you don't want that and you don't want that for a mentoring relationship and they don't want you like if you're not going to do the work they don't want you right but but it really can help you because again sometimes you just get yourself into like a rock and a hard place there might be a bad situation at work you might just need someone else to just a different. just someone else to look at a situation differently and just Mm -hmm. call you out on something that you, you just weren't seeing. And and if you have that trust and understanding with someone else, you'll listen to it again, as opposed to getting defensive. Right. And, and doing something that you probably might regret.
0: Yes, that's right. (laughs) Do you have advice for people who say they have a hard time finding a mentor? So yes and no, I think,
1: um, I think you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to find someone. They're just not sitting there. And right. So, like, there are mentors everywhere, mm-hmm. right? You just have to ask somebody, right? Yeah. Just say, like, I really like what you do. Like, it's really awesome. Like, would you have time? Like, do you think that I can call you? uh You know, we might be able to discuss something. Like, it's really simple. Like, it doesn't have to be a formal mentor. Yeah. It could be your aunt. It could be your parent. But, yeah. like, you just have to put it in place, right? Yes.
0: So, absolutely.
1: I agree. It, if, if you're looking for something that's very specific. So I'm a woman of color. You're hearing in the news all over the place right now, we're talking about like black lives matter. There are a lot of um, people of color that are not in senior positions, executive positions in the workforce. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to specifically be in a particular industry and look for me in X, maybe that might not exist. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate that might be a challenge, but that's not to say that you can't talk to someone else in that industry. That mm-hmm. may not look like you, but that can still add valuable you know yes. information and advice to you, right? So again, as much as I'm looking for, you know, and and I kind of tote um, tout that you know representation matters, yes. don't look for someone exactly to look mm-hmm. like you, right? You're looking to get worldly experience for someone that can help you grow as a person.
0: Right? I think that's really good advice because I know for myself early on in my career, and they certainly helped me for sure in politics, there's not as many women, obviously that's changed. It's even changed in, in the last 10 years that I've been in politics, but I certainly, my early mentors were men yeah. and it, and it took a while until I built relationships with other women that worked in politics. And, and, you know, throughout my career, I rose fairly quickly. And like you said, it wasn't somebody that looked like me, but they were willing to have the conversations, give their advice, take, take, the time and then sometimes you end up then being the one that in the future people are coming to for advice right like you're opening other doors maybe that you didn't have but that you end up opening for other people too
1: right and I like that idea of being able to pay it forward Mm -hmm. and and on the note of like you know having men as mentors I was in a conversation uh, previously talking about mentorship and I think one thing you have to be mindful to, and I said it in that conversation too, is that you just don't want to swing the pendulum to the opposite end, right? Like, oh, it's like pro women, it's feminist, it's this, that, and the other. I'm all for all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you do, if you go that complete wholehearted route, you're doing exactly what we came from to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that going to happen? So I'm a mom. I have children of both genders right male and female there's no way that I'm only going to be able to do something that's geared toward my girls and I would never leave my son out nor would I do the other do it the other way around yes I think if you look at things through the, that lens like would you want it to happen to you like what's in it for you yeah you can't you're mindful because I would never want my son to be treated poorly nor would I want my girls to be treated poorly
0: yeah right yep yeah. no absolutely I wanted to unpack a little bit about the fact that you did your masters when you were working full time and you had kids and I hear different women, you know, contemplating it and and looking at the positives and the negatives, but a lot of the time what I hear from them is that it just seems impossible. Right. So what what would you say to women trying to make that decision? Uh, it took me 10 years to make that decision. Oh, it is difficult. It's yeah.
1: it's it is. It's not um okay. in retrospect <laughs> it might have been easier in some ways if i had done it when my children were younger right. so take for example you're on mat leave right mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you could do it okay there's a financial constraint to it you think about it that's an yeah. issue when you have young children like you have to stop and do things for that's an issue when you have bigger kids it's no different that it's an issue and when you have bigger kids it's also still a financial issue so you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you just have to right. do And just not beat yourself up about it and just do what works for you. So I spent a lot of time looking for what would be the best thing for me. And when I Mm -hmm. finally kind of narrowed down into wanting to stay in that technology space, that's where the Lazaridis program came up, right? Because Mm -hmm. there were MBA programs that were all over the place, but this was niche, right? This was in a Mm -hmm. particular area. I worked in the startup area. It naturally made sense for me, but what was phenomenal about this program, which I think a lot of people don't know and haven't realized, and you're going to start seeing it happening more and more because of COVID is that this allowed me to, this was every other week that you had to be in school mm-hmm. and it was only Friday and Saturday, right? So you still have Sunday to yourself, but it was half day on Friday. So what I did was I worked all week long. I doubled up my, I, I did my overtime I worked from tw- from eight to 12 at my job. I left my job at lunchtime and then I did the class at night. Was it okay. difficult? Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, again, that's why I said it might've been a little bit easier because I had children that were older. So I wasn't running home to go make dinner for them. Right. And I also had a supportive spouse, right? Yeah. So- again, talking about swinging the pendulum from one way to the other, I, I don't want to discredit him. Like if, and I, I always say that if I didn't have the support of my family, it would have been really difficult yes. to do this. Right. And so I had this conversation with the kids. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm not always going to be here, but I that the house is still going to be standing and yes. I expect that you guys are going to eat.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me think about the mindset of it's going to be hard, but it's only a year or two. And then there's some big benefits on the other side. We can do this.
1: Yes. And, and this program again, phenomenal. It was a year, Mm -hmm. a year to walk away with a master's program and it was intensive and it was executive level, right? That's where the challenge came in is that you're working full time and you're doing it. But then you're seeing this now, if you have an employer that, um, believes in you, trusts you, wants you to grow and succeed, has the same sort of growth mindset, they're going to want that for you. Because ultimately you're going to come back and work in their workspace, right? You're going to contribute and you're going to be a better person for it, right? A lot of companies have... Educational credits that you can use towards it, and no, some companies are not going to pay for your MBA for it to be a hundred thousand dollars, or they they say that they're going to pay for your hundred thousand dollar MBA, but they want you to stay there for the next you know three four years so they get the money out of it, right. You just do what works for you, but like I think, mm-hmm. if you can continue to take courses or try something, mm-hmm. ultimately they add up to to something, right? So yeah, going back to school was was difficult, but it's not to say that it can't be done. And I can absolutely prove to you that it can be done. Yes, and yeah, and I won't lie to you; it was hard, but it
0: was worth it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I did my master's right after my undergrad, and it's so interesting because there's part of me that is like, oh, it's great I got it done right away, and then I had right. my kids, but. I When I look back now and where my interests lie, I also would have taken something very different. So Absolutely. I love that so much of what you said there talks about, you know, you found the niche you wanted to work in, you found the area you wanted to grow in, and then it, it provided you that experience and that it was at executive level. So there's so much benefit to obviously either way, but um,
1: there is something I have to think-, think about. I think a lot of us coming out of school, which is no different than this generation that's coming out of school, we don't have the work experience, Mm -hmm. right? So you go into the workforce and someone has to teach you what to do, right? And yeah. so it's a real challenge. Okay. It's going to happen regardless, but when you're doing it from this perspective or when you go back to school, whether you're going to an executive level program or you're going back to school as a mature student, you have a different perspective because you have life experience, right? So whether you're a parent or not, whether you've worked full time, whether you're um, struggling or not struggling, you have different life experiences that you can, that lend itself, to this conversation and change and it's mm. that diversity of thought what was really beneficial for us in the program it was small but each one of us were doing the exact same thing as executives coming from different workspaces mm. so our cohort could all ask each other questions right so we had a built-in network right there in the class whereas if you're doing it in an MBA program and you're a master's student and with a with a, a, a mature student with a bunch of And I don't want to say kids in a disparaging way, but like kids, kids that are just coming out of school, like 19, 20, I shouldn't say kids at all, young adults.
0: um, They don't have the same experience. They can't help you. Totally. I remember my master's was really small too, and it was condensed. And there were some people who um, weren't, hadn't been in their career for a long time, but even just a few years. And they would say things and I'd be like, wow. Like just not even, just their understanding the scope of, their understanding of the information being taught or their analysis was just at a different level. So I can definitely appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. As a woman in your field, have you noticed barriers because of your gender?
1: So when we're talking field with my varied
0: experience, what are we talking about? With a little bit of everything. So just throughout your career, I guess we would say as someone who's been in the So like in business space. Yeah, I would absolutely
1: say that. I think, um, I think if I'm not mistaken from the engineering standpoint and like, you know, speaking to the kind of like the industry in in, in Teleflex and that kind of industry experience, engineers, I think are women are still only at 30%, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And without having actual numbers to back up, which I should have, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you see it in the workforce in, in the business side, right? Women Mm -hmm. are still, you're not, you're still not seeing a lot of female CEOs, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of, um, race color creed whatever you still don't see them at that level right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there still is that challenge uh, you still have that challenge of having people to understand that you have experience and that want to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. uh, again like i said like there's a lot of things that are happening in life and community right now yes um covid hit hit hard in a lot of ways and it's impacted so many things but it's also brought so many things out to the forefront that people are addressing.
0: right away right Mm -hmm.
1: and people are willing to listen to so you know it has worked well in a lot of ways because when you're like this and you're through a computer screen you know whether you can see my face or not you're getting the information right so you you wouldn't necessarily have that discrimination if there was something right so Mm -hmm. technology can aid in those kind of things but I I think, I think it still has been a challenge. And I think one thing that was probably maybe the good and bad for me, the detriment. so I always say that I have good genes and I look young. So people have made that comment and I don't think people realize I'm as old as I am.
0: Right.
1: And so when they, I, I got that a lot when I was younger because mm-hmm. I naturally would have been younger and I would have looked younger, right? Yes. So when you're trying to come in and insert yourself and try to say something that you have, you think would be valuable, I think sometimes you, maybe it was just me, but you felt like it would have been dismissive. Right. Or um, when you're a parent, right? Like It was almost like you, it, there was something, it, there was a challenge with you being a parent. Right? Like, because you were a mom or whether you're male or female, but like that you had a child at home. Okay, well, that's life. Right. Not all of us are, you know, single and could just want to work all day long. That's not what I want to do in my life. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm just going to tell you that right off the top because it's fact. Right? So I don't think that you should be impacted because of like your choices in life. Right? right. I want to be a parent. Yeah, I want to have it all. So I'm just going yeah. to figure out how
0: it's <laughs> going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. I uh, I also look very young for my age, and especially when I was doing consulting because you're working with a lot of CEOs. I found that sometimes challenging in terms of um, asserting yourself and. People would know as soon as I started talking about the content that I was an expert and knew what I was doing. Talking about yeah, yeah, but it is it is challenging, and so many people say to me, "Oh, it's a blessing, it's a blessing," but it also, from the professional perspective, is a challenge. Right. And on top of that, I'm only four ten in height. Like I'm under five feet, so I'm very petite. So even I, I, I was a director in my last job and people would be surprised that I was old enough to have children I'd be like, well, she's almost 10. So I'm like, right? uh, and then kind of, you know, then, then you kind of figure out maybe what's going on in their heads. But um, some of the university presidents at the time when I was working with universities, Canada had been doing things like, um, Oh, what is it called? Like, I'm not going to say the right word, but like um, training for like hiring people, like unconscious bias training that kind of thing what are some of the other things that you think would help move the needle on some of these barriers like from an unconscious bias standpoint well just in some of the different things that that you face through your work like you had mentioned like now with technology like maybe that will help but what are some things that we can actually do to break down the barriers that people are facing I think we just have to talk about it Mm-hmm. I think
1: it, it's like one of those taboo things like money. No one wants to talk about it. Like, and, and here's a perfect example. The whole Black Lives Matter conversation, yep. you know, race relations, you know, allyship, all these things that people are just, they've always known about, mm-hmm. but it, it's finally come to a head and people want to address it because they're like, wait a minute, I don't like this. This is not, you know, we're, we're you don't always have to look for equality while well, well, it might be great, but you want fairness right mm-hmm. and so people see that things aren't working out well for other people and they don't want to sit by idly and watch it mm-hmm. i think if we if we use our voices without being afraid of uh, reprimand mm-hmm. that we could do something we can help other people and i think the best thing that we can do in everything like where these barriers are in place is just to talk about it just to have a conversation just with people that you feel safe with maybe you might say something that's wrong and it's and that's maybe it's wrong to other people, but maybe you're just uninformed. So Mm -hmm. as you have a conversation with other people, you learn more about the situation, right? You learn from someone else's perspective. You learn from someone else's experience and it kind of changes what you're doing. That's what we should be doing. Right. Yeah.
0: I love what you said about, yeah, just starting some of those conversations too, because I think sometimes at least for me, when I was younger, there were certainly times where it just felt like, oh, this is how it is. This is how it is. And until you hear other women saying like, it doesn't have to be, or it's not okay. And not just women, but, um, that really starts to change the dialogue for you when, and you realize, okay, yeah, yeah, that's not really how it should be. And I even know for myself, like I often had challenges as a, as a woman in, in the lobbying field, of course (laughs) you would in, in most male dominated fields, but, um, at the same time when i went to work somewhere else they were doing a lot of work on diversity and inclusion and it was the first time i had heard those words being sure. used that way yeah and so i think sometimes too people who who work in certain spaces might think like oh everybody knows about this stuff but, but they really don't like right. lots of everyday people lots of people in other sectors they're they're not actually having these what which, which in a laughing way is more progressive, right? Like even though we right. should already be there. So I think that's important for people to think too, is just, especially in some of the private sector stuff, just those conversations just aren't happening at all. And and maybe now with COVID and some of the conversations that things will change, but uh, it's not all the same as, you know, getting back to before, but whatever your experience has been. Right. As someone who has worked in HR, do you have other career advice that that, things that keep coming up where you're like, oh, women really need to know this or like whether it's about like asking for pay increases or different things. Are there things that you often think that women should know more about that would help them in their careers?
1: Yeah, so um, like I said, like I'm always a researcher, so I'm always trying to figure, you know, some, get some information from somewhere, research something about a topic and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I think people should do that regardless male or female, but with women, you know, when we're talking about um, in, in terms of remuneration, Mm -hmm. I was always, and you, you are, you are self-conscious about this, right? You feel, it's almost like you feel bad about asking for something that you want, but I'm like, why? And Mm -hmm. so I finally got to a point in my life where I'm like, it, well hell it can hurt like what's yeah. what's the most that they can say right and yeah. so maybe maybe i learned that with like parenting because i like i said the same thing to my kids i'm like just ask you don't know what's going to happen it's either a yes or a no yeah either way you'll figure it out right yeah. so if you say hey I, you know i think i'm worth more than you know what you're paying me i think you know i could go with the 10 grand raise if they say no they say no you're still back in the same place you were from before but what if they say yeah. yes yeah Right. Yeah. You wouldn't have known unless you asked. Right. Yes. So that absolutely, I would say the other thing I tell people, uh, and, and I have a lot of friends that are introverted and you can obviously tell by talking to me, I'm somewhat extroverted. <laughs> um, people don't like to network.
0: Uh, Yes. You can't
1: get anywhere in this Mm -hmm. world unless you network. And I do not want to make a sweeping generalization and say that the world is set up for extroverts. But really, in a lot of of places, you'll find that extroverts are going to be more successful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be that way. You just need to connect with people. It doesn't doesn't have to be in a large social gathering. Obviously, that can't happen right now. But you need to connect with people, right? see how you could do something and help someone else. And I, I guarantee you, if you help someone, whether it's that person helping you or, or whether, you know, it's like immediate right away, it will come back to you. Someone at some point in your life, it will come back to you and they will help you. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's that whole idea of like kind of paying it forward, like yes. do good, do to mm-hmm. others as you'd like, you like do want to you. Like it's, it's just kind of like that sort of just be nice. Just be a good person, right? But the networking, I think women typically don't like doing that, yeah. and especially if you're going to go. And and I get it. If you're going to go to an event where you're where you're um, going to be one of a few women,
0: mm-hmm.
1: run with it. Yeah. You're only one of a few women. Make sure that they see you. Make sure that they hear yes. you. Make sure that you're known that you're there, right? Yeah, and there's instead of being that wallflower,
0: right? And I think there's definitely things that people can do if they are uncomfortable right there's lots of things you can read or if you know somebody's particularly good at networking where you can um get some advice but it's so true I I do a lot of networking obviously in the type of work that I do and I'm extremely extroverted and I've actually led work workshops on this and have had people come to me and it and it some of it just comes down to like you said the very basics of them just being afraid to even talk to someone else or feel, i honestly, I feel some of it comes down to them realizing they're worthy enough of this other person's time. Right, right. And so it's just, it's getting over having those initial conversations, but, um, but it's important. And like you said, like there, there are so many benefits, even, even though it's challenging and there are people out there that are, are really happy to talk to people about it and give them tips or like things that things that you can read as well, that people can look into.
1: Yeah, I met I, I, I was at a session. I, I can't remember um the woman's name that led it off the top of my head. But you know, one of the uh, one of the uh, the career tips, the advice that she gave was that if you're going to an event like this, right, if you could do again, I'm going to go back to research, if you can do some research ahead of time, yes. find out who's gonna be there,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: just make it, maybe make it a point of trying to find that one person. So I know that I'm gonna go looking for Stephanie. Let me get a little bit of information about Stephanie. Let me figure out how I can just buy for Stephanie just out of that hundred people that are gonna be in that room. I yeah. just wanna make that connection with Stephanie.
0: Yes.
1: Call it a day, I'm done, right? Yeah. Because then, and especially because you've done the research, when I finally get and I talk to Stephanie, the time is valuable because I can actually have a good conversation and, and Stephanie then knows that I've made that effort to come out and meet with her and connect with her. If it's just like, Hey, how are you? How do you think it's going? And you have a drink. You're getting nothing out of that. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I've heard people say like, you know, read the news and find three things that you could talk about or um, if you need to make small talk. But again, if you're looking for somebody specific, you can have some of the questions that you know you want to ask them And I would say, even though it's scary in, I would say the percentage of people that either don't want to talk to you or are rude is so tiny. Like almost every person is so happy to talk to somebody or to help. So as, as hard as it is that it's worth putting, putting yourself out there for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, and we've talked about it a a little bit, um, is that you're a woman of color and a mother and that you Um, have advocated for economic success for underrepresented minority groups. And we've talked a little bit about some of the barriers being a woman, but in terms of being a a woman of color, what are some of the systemic barriers that you've noticed in your particular field? That people don't look like me. Hmm. Right?
1: Yeah. Right away. I can find women and I can find uh, women of, you know, different race. They just don't look like me right? So they don't have the natural, um, I I don't have that natural synergy in terms of background and experience. And that's why I said, again, you can't always look for something so finite, Mm -hmm. but when, but like I'm mature enough to understand that that isn't going to be my barrier. But if you're going to get someone that's not confident enough in themselves, that's going to be a deterrent to them, right? right? You get young children that are in schools that are being taught and they don't see people that look like them. Yeah or that make comments that have nothing to do with, that that are just irrelevant to them, you lose them, right? right? right. And so we, we talk about it a lot when we talk about um, trying to get women, girls into like, you know, women in STEM, girls in STEM. The drop off for girls going into like math and science and technology is really grade seven, right? It's before mm-hmm. they get into high school, yeah. right? But in truth, it, it, it starts much earlier than that, right? Like if you were engaging children, may, uh, young boys and girls, but if you were engaging girls earlier and that they were there the whole time, they were empowered the whole time, there would be no question about it. Right. Right. Of them going into these kind of spaces. It's happening. But again, we still only see there are girls, there are women that are applying into, um, you know, engineering, math, technology, all these different roles, like in record numbers, it's happening. But mm-hmm. it it's just hasn't, it's taken this long to happen.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. Right? Like
1: you think that it should have been like that when you and I were in
0: school. Yeah.
1: Many yeah. years ago. But mm-hmm. that's like 20 years later and still nothing has
0: changed. Right? I, I loved so much when my, my husband's an engineer and when we were in university, there weren't very many girls in his class. But there, one of the girls had the top marks out of everybody and I just loved it. <laughs> Right. You go girl. Like, it was like, of course. Yeah. I, yeah, I just found that uh, very funny and tumbling to some of the others in, in the right? class. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it's
1: just, it's just different. You just want to be able to see yourself represented. You want to see, you know, other people and different things. Again, it's about wanting to aspire to, right? Because right. you're not always going to be in the same place, right? You, yes. you have to naturally grow every day. You're growing, mm-hmm. right? And if you, you keep that lens, it will work out. But if you don't have that lens and you don't have that mindset, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have, it's going to be stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have that little bit of a challenge and barrier to obstacle to get past.
0: Yeah. And I would say too, you know, when we talk about the representation piece and being able to see yourself and seeing yourself be there and then therefore aspiring to that or knowing that you can be there, there's a lot of research out there that supports that too. So if people want to look up more about it, I've certainly just anecdotally noticed it with my own kids on different things. Like they'll say, Oh, girls don't do that. Or just different things. And even at really young ages, like maybe three years old. And then, and then it makes you realize just at a basic level Um, how much that makes a difference and even subconsciously and there is a lot of work left to be done um on that right and and you're you're
1: seeing it change like from before i think again and i I don't want to um discredit people that don't have children but when you're a parent you start to look at things differently right and again when you're parent you're looking for whoever that child is right whether you're supporting your young girls or your young males so when you have parents and when you have children of both genders you're not biased by one particular group right so but mm-hmm. this whole idea of this girl dad that finally just came to be right mm-hmm. and you see those guys you know those gentlemen that are going out and they're supporting their girls it's because historically that hasn't happened it's always been you know, the buddy-buddy, you know, the father and son team all over the place, right? And you didn't see these things. But when you don't have, like, you know, at that time, Kobe Bryant, you know, when you saw a lot of it being publicized, he only had a family of girls, right? Mm -hmm. My dad only has girls, right? Yeah, I'm sure he would have loved to be able to support the father-son thing, but he didn't have anyone else. So he only had the two of us. So it was, we're going out with him. We're going to figure out how to do these different things, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting. I definitely noticed that in my own life, there's things that I was brought up learning to do around cars or or other things. I didn't have any brothers that other families, their girls weren't taught the same things. And hopefully some of those things are changing, but yeah it's it's very interesting when you explain it that way i wanted to close with the questions that we like to ask everybody so before we do that is there anything else you want to add no if anyone wants to contact me they can reach out to me on linkedin i'm always willing to talk to people it sounds good i'll include that in the show notes so what is the best rule that you ever broke oh my hr community is not going to like this but as hr (laughs)
1: professionals And when you're working in the recruitment space, you want someone to fill out a resume, fill out an application, do it online. You don't necessarily want them to call and follow up, right? Like, because that's how the process is supposed to go. Right. But if you're looking for a job, I would go the extra mile where I have, which is how I got the job that I'm doing right now by networking. So what I did is that I reached out and, you know, this one, this job wasn't actually posted as of yet, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times those things happen, especially in the senior roles. So if you just or or people are now at a point where they want you even before they'll build a role around you, Mm -hmm. right? Because they just want you and they want your expertise and your character and they know that you can learn the work, right? Yeah. So, you know, in generalities, okay, you're going to apply, you're going to, you're going to submit an application, you're going to submit a resume, but go take the extra step reach out to whoever the poster is see if you can again do the research find out who the job is see if you can just meet for coffee what is it that's going to kill you like if they say no you're still back to square one
0: yeah right it doesn't and if hurt anything yes yeah.
1: absolutely yeah. and if they say yes maybe you you can ask them things that you would do in an interview ask them about the job one thing i always ask people i tell people to find out is why the job is vacant mm-hmm. right because a lot of people maybe maybe there was something inherently wrong with the reporting relationship or what was happening. A lot of times it's a mat coverage, you know, someone's moved on to a new role, something has happened, like we have a vacancy, someone's gone, but I wanna find those little questions out. So mm-hmm. I would say, uh, if you're gonna break a rule, um, go uh, not completely circumvent the HR process, but go the take the extra step, even though they don't necessarily want you to, mm-hmm. right? They want you to follow the process, make the extra effort and try to reach out and
0: get more information about the job. I think that's a great one, especially as you grow in your career and and you can be maybe a little bit more picky about roles. Getting a good fit is really important. And so certainly I think knowing why that role is empty and getting back to the networking piece, like you said, sometimes people are looking to add to their team and they're developing something, but they don't really know what it should look like. And by you reaching out, they might realize, oh, like your experience is actually what they need. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely always work, worth contacting and even doing so, like we talked about earlier with mentorship when you're not looking for a job, right? That's something else I would add. So what is the most valuable habit that was hardest to create?
1: Oh my God. I'd have to tell you right off the bat, it's exercise. Oh my God. It's painful, It is, hard. but you just have to do it. So yeah. it's interesting. I, I've had this conversation with other people before. I didn't grow up in a family where, um, exercise was part of our daily life per se, right? So it's not like we grew up with playing sports, you know, we kind of did these different things. My dad did the same Yeah. But my mom was at home. Right. Mm-hmm. So now as again, when you become a parent or even my children are older now, so I'm not out playing or going to the park like I did when they were younger or running around playing with them yes. as the adult. Now you have to be mindful of being able to put exercise into your daily life. Right. Yes. So even if it's just about going outside for a walk for 10 minutes of the day, mm-hmm. it's the best thing for your mental health. It will physically make you move around. It'll get you moving. But you have to you have to think about it because mm-hmm. if not, you're you're just gonna you're you're just gonna wither up. Right. And so yeah. you know, I, I have a lot of appreciation for it as much as it's painful <laughs> and I don't want to yeah. do it at times. Yes. Right. And and the thing is is I'm not asking you to go hardcore and mm-hmm. completely you know, take on like this, you know, athletic regimen. Mm-hmm. Just get like walking.
0: Mm-hmm. Just get
1: outside. Yeah. Right? Just, You need to employ some sort of exercise. And to that end, I would say water. (laughs) Like, I don't think any of us drink (laughs) enough water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I like that answer. Can you name another woman that inspires you?
1: Yeah. So when we talk about representation, so my family's West Indian. So, um, they're from South America. So this woman, Indra Nui, she's the former CEO of Pepsi. She's Indian. Um, not West Indian, but East Indian. So, not exactly the same, but she's someone that kind of looks like me in kind of coloring. Um, so, when you, it was just really, really, really interesting because you didn't see that. She's the mm-hmm. former CEO of FC at like a, you know, a gazillion dollar company, yes. right? At the highest level, very well respected leader in her space, um, very well revered. That's phenomenal right yes. like and so just like looking at her history looking at what she's done how she's done it she had children she was forthcoming and saying that you can have it all but you can't always have it all at the same time kind mm-hmm. of thing right and I think you, we try to like we want to do this work-life balance it, it, that's hard I don't know that it truly exists yes. and it may in fact exist but it's different for everybody right mm-hmm. so yes. I, it just can't it, there, there isn't just this one Broadway stroke that you can just paint everybody with the same brush over. Yes. She's one of those people I would say um, that I would look up to and that oh, I would I, be inspired by. Have you ever met her? No. And so she was at an event that was happening and I was almost there um, and then I didn't get to go.
0: Oh well you have to make that happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, well she's not a Pepsi anymore. So now I'll just have to wait for like one of these like, you know, road shows or you know, you know, yeah. she's gonna be on a tour or a book tour or something, but I don't know when that's gonna happen with COVID, how that's gonna happen. It's probably just gonna be through Zoom.
0: I don't yes, know. Yes, yeah, maybe that's right. Can you tell us about a book that made you wide wiser?
1: Um yeah, so I always go back to this book. So do you um do you remember or have you ever heard that poem, um uh, children learn what they live. Don't think so. Dorothy Law Nolt. So okay. it's that poem, and so here, let me tell you, it's just like it says some of those things, like um, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children learn uh, with honesty, they learn to they learn truthfulness. So like you know, 20 uh, something years ago when my son was born, um, I got this book. So I heard the poem and I got the book and the book is about like rules for parenting, but mm. it's really just about being a good human being. Yes. Right. But I love this book because it's, it's those little, you know, that kind of don't sweat the small stuff kind of thing. Yes, It's those things that you look at. So when you really think about it, like if you, you if children live with honesty, they learn, you know, truthfulness, that's that's impactful right Mm -hmm. if children learn live with criticism they learn to condemn those things make sense right yeah so like that's always one of my favorite books no it's not a leadership book it's like a parenting book but i I like what it says
0: yeah it sounds like there's a lot of just broad life lessons there
1: yeah and again like it was just it was from a poem right and then they she just they built the book based on the poem and they kind of elaborated right so you're just going to get chapter by chapter about you know these different you know kind of versus, Um, but again, it's like, just like you're saying, it's just kind of like real world kind of like, you know, applicable, don't sweat the small stuff kind of thing.
0: Right. Yes. Well, that's very valuable advice. (laughs) We'll take a look at that. Thank you so much for spending uh, your time with us today and giving us so much advice. Uh, There's a lot of career advice in there for women, which is fantastic. Thank you. Oh,
1: you're welcome. I know that I I talk quickly and I'm like kind of all over the place, but it's worked for me. So maybe it will
0: work for someone else. (laughs) I'm like that too. That's great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Women Don't Do That. We hope you're inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Find all our podcasts and blog content at womendontdothat.com and stay connected with us on Instagram and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next time.